having someone that wants to be auditor is if you have an agency that is failing to meet its goals by a wide margin, right? We talked about our kids in college and stuff, and it, we're paying a lot for college, right? I know you agree. And if they were coming home and every grade they got was around a 68 or 70, you'd be really upset, right? So that's what's happening to taxpayers. Their auditor is coming up with a grade of about 68 to 70%. Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interest in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate and, if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and I am your Political Contessa. Today, I have with me Anthony Amore. Anthony is running for the auditor position in Massachusetts, which has been occupied by Democrats for quite some time. And unfortunately, in a state where we have an overwhelming majority of Democrats in control, like every single congressional U.S. Senate and every statewide office besides the governor currently controlled by Democrats, it is very, very important to have some balance of power. Whether you agree with Republicans or not, whether you agree with Democrats or not, doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's all about democracy. So I'm very, very excited to have Anthony with me. Really interestingly, most people I have on have some sort of background in politics, have been involved for a while, have been working on the other side of politics and then decided to jump in. But in this case, Anthony has such a different background, which actually makes him the perfect candidate for a state auditor position. Anthony is an art theft expert, investigator, and security practitioner. He has been the director of security and the chief investigator for the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. He was instrumental in the efforts of the newly formed TSA post 9-11 at Logan Airport in Boston. He's also a very well-known author. He co-authored a book in 2011 that landed up on the Wall Street Journal's true crime bestseller list called Stealing Rembrandts, The Untold Stories of Notorious Art Heists. And he's written two other books. One landed up on the New York Times true crime bestseller list called The Art of the Con. So I'm happy to have with me today, Anthony Amore, candidate for Massachusetts State Auditor. Welcome, Anthony. Hi Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on. This is such a, such a pleasure. Number one, I'm a big fan of yours as a person, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm a big fan of yours as far as your professional career, because I find it so fascinating. So talk a little bit about your career and how it landed you up wanting to run for public office. Sure. Well, first, let me say that feeling's mutual. I'm really blown away by all of the different things you do and how active you are and 
and the support that you give, particularly to uh, women candidates. And as a father of two daughters, that's um, something that really impresses me and I think is important. Uh, the way I wound up running for office, I've always been a political follower. I've been a follower of politics for a long time, and including in 2000, I went to the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard. They had always planned that I would be involved in some sort of political realm at some point. In 2018, I was contemplating, actually beyond contemplating, I filed to run for the state legislature in my former district in Swampscott. And... Um, I was only a declared candidate for a short time, and I gave a speech at a uh, Christmas party that the governor uh, attended because we lived in the same town. And um, not long after, the Republican Party got in touch with me, maybe a week, and said, would you be interested in running for secretary of state? And I thought about it for like 30 seconds and said yes, uh, because I knew, you know, no matter what office you're running for in Massachusetts, if you're a Republican, it's up in an uphill battle. And because I'm a, a follower of the art of politics, I thought, boy, running for statewide office would be a heck of an experience. And I guess I was savvy enough to know that it did give you some measure of the bully pulpit. So you do get to have some, uh, in Massachusetts, it's hard, but you do get some attention and you do get to present issues that are important to you. And election security was important to me at the time. And let me be very clear. This was 2018. This is nothing at all to do with what I think is nonsense about the 2020 election. I don't believe that it was stolen in any way, frankly. But this was 2018, and we were worried about the integrity of our election system, because we do know that some groups packed into local boards of canvases and uh, and state election boards and stuff. That's indisputable. There were prosecutions based on it. Uh, in any event, I, I lost as I expected to, but I did feel like, boy, that was almost like getting a master's degree in politics, maybe more because you're doing that retail stuff I hadn't done before. This time around, I wasn't planning on running for office at all. And a few people on both sides of the political spectrum under the Republican umbrella were pushing me to run for auditor. And uh, I still was apprehensive about it, but then I had a conversation with Governor, governor Baker, who told me the thing that really interested me is he told me if he hadn't run for governor, he would have run for auditor because when he was uh, secretary of ANF, he understood how powerful the auditor could be and the change the auditor could make. So I jumped in and um, I don't regret it. It's a lot of work. And as someone who works full time, thank you for going over my, my career history. As someone that works full time, I have to tell you, it is very hard to run a statewide campaign working 40 plus hours a week. So um, it's tiring, but I do believe it's worth it. And I do believe we have a chance to win. I think you have a great chance. I mean, I, you know, I, you look at the political landscape and you see all the craziness going on around the country and, you know, whether it's the election deniers or how, I mean, and you're very fortunate because the mass Republican Party didn't put up a candidate to primary you. They tried. Um, yeah. they tried. <laughs> but thankfully failed. And so, you know, you see all this craziness going on around the country where it's folks who are being picked because I ideologically fit with the Republicans in that state. And that's yeah. the the problem behind the primary system. But at the end of the day, as a former party chair, the one thing I always look for is, can you win in a general election? And so in your case, though, the auditor is the oversight body. The auditor is the person who is looking at where's the money going, what's coming in, what's going out, how are they spending it? 
And is it happening wisely? And because we had one auditor, right? Tanucci was there for 28 six, 28 years. It was a long time. Suzanne Bump has been there now, who's the state auditor currently has been there since I was chair back in 2010. And, you know, that's a long time. And so we really need someone who's different. And the thing about the auditor's position is it shouldn't be political, right? Your political views shouldn't come into play in this position. It is who you are, what experience you bring to the table. And what I think is interesting too, is in your case, in your position, you have two people on the democratic side that are primarying each other. Neither of them have any experience going after anyone, interrogating anyone, investigating anyone, litigating anything, right? I mean, they're, they're just, they've been essentially either grassroots organizers or political hacks, (laughs) they haven't, then you don't have to say it. I can say it, but I mean, that's basically what they've been. And for them, this is a stepping stone. This is to something else. And it is a paycheck for them. It is not a position that I think is going to bring professional behavior and a professional attitude and viewpoint on. And so that's what I think is so cool about you as a person, Anthony, running for state auditor is that you are not coming at this saying, I'm a Republican, I'm going after Democrats. You're saying, I have experience and this is where your experience fits. You said that so perfectly, Jennifer. You honestly did. I couldn't ask for a better summation. And then anybody listening, we didn't prep that to begin with. I mean, that was (laughs) exactly how I see this. You know, when I first decided that I would run, the first person I called and, and spoke to was uh, Mary Z. Conadin, who ran when you were uh, with the party. And man, what an inspiration. She was a great candidate. And, and when I spoke to her, I remember thinking, my God, she was, what a missed opportunity to have her as auditor. And she said to me, you know, the theme of my campaign was professional, not political. And I stopped her and said, I'm telling you right now, I'm stealing that. And I did. And I, because I stand by it, you know, it's on our banner, professional, not political. I really do believe that the auditor should be an honest broker, an independent for, uh, you know, not in terms of party enrollment necessarily, but in terms of attitude and philosophy when you're performing the work of the auditor. For instance, when we have our finalists for governor, I'm sure I'm going to be asked who I'm supporting. And I'm not going to say who I'm supporting because there's a potential that I will be auditing their performance. And I don't want to seem to have any favorites. You know, you make a good point about the people I'm running against. And this is not a personal attack. I've, I've even written an op-ed for Commonwealth Magazine where I talk about, I don't see my opponents as evil or bad. They're good people with different ideas. Okay. They, I just think my ideas are better. And that's not boasting. That's why I'm running because I think I have better ideas. But You know, I saw um, one of my opponents today, the progressive opponent, whose commercial launched today. So it's fresh in my mind. And then he says, well, they say he's done the work. It's like, my God, no, you haven't done anything resembling this work. And and there's two parts to being auditor. You not only have to know how to do audits and investigations, as you articulated so well, but you also have to know how to run an organization. And I've run big organizations in the federal government and in the private sector something that neither of my opponents has done either, right? So they haven't done either component of the job. And it's interesting to me. And I, you know, I 
politics is an interesting game. It's a, I know you discuss this all the time in your podcast, but you know, I think about one of the opponents again, who's the progressive. So there's two, one's the, the, the uh, union candidate, the other's the progressive candidate. But interestingly, the progressive candidate's work background is Bain Consulting, which used to be bad when Mitt Romney worked there, apparently. <laughs> and Goldman Not if you're Sachs. a Democrat. <laughs> right. He worked for Bain and Goldman Sachs, and he's the progressive darling. And it's just, boy, it's head scratching. But again, it's a learning experience too. But I am confident that my experience just outweighs theirs. If this was a civil service job and we all submitted resumes, they wouldn't get past the resumes. Just as simple as that. I mean, it's not an insult. It's honesty. Doesn't mean again they're bad people. They're just not qualified to be auditor in any way. It's tough when you're doing uh, when you're running a down ballot race because people don't get into the weeds on on sorts of things. So it's incumbent upon me to get across my experience as opposed to my competitor's experience. You know, I normally agree. So number one, I know one of your opponents on the Democratic side. You know, and who knows who comes out? We still have a primary to go through. Um, uh, lovely mass. Yep. Lovely Massachusetts. You know, we are one of the last five states in the country to have a primary, but neither of them, again, it's not hitting them on their person and on, on who they are. But I think experience matters, especially when you're running for a high level office like this. Experience really matters. And in a time where we are so polarized, the nation is polarized, the media makes everyone very polarized. I think it's very important for people to keep perspective on certain elected positions. Yes, they're political. However, that is only based on because it's it's a political position you're running for office, but not political in the sense that once you are there, you need to do the work for the taxpayers who are paying your salary. And this is one point I always try to make on the podcast is that I don't care who you are. When you are running for office, you are running as a public servant. And yes, this is a public servant test. It is a position where experience should matter. And even though it has become since the beginning of social media, a popularity contest, it should be who is the best person for the job? Who has those qualifications? Who is going to actually work? Look, when you're running, you're in a primary, you're running for the people who are voting for you in the primary. When you're running in a general, as you are, you are running for everyone in the state right. to make sure that everyone's dollars are being used wisely. And, and so what I find interesting here is if this was a nonpartisan race, and all things being equal, in Massachusetts, where 56% of the electorate are unenrolled voters, you would probably come out on top. If you put resumes side by side, if you had debates, you had conversations about the issues, you would come out on top. So, I mean, I think, you know, for our listener who might not know, and, and different states have different rules on the state auditor. Some are elected, some are appointed. Everything is, you know, it's different in every state and what they consider the position to be. For you, what are your top line issues for being auditor and why it's important to come at this with a nonpartisan lens, not just the position when you are elected, but for a voter to say, doesn't matter what letter is next to your name, but I like your, I like what you have to say. Well, 
I have a real clear priority here. So one of the things we've learned during this campaign is that the auditor, and for listeners who don't know, the auditor has to audit every state agency every three years, in a nutshell. And our current state auditor has fallen short of that by a big margin. She audits just under 70% of the state agency. She can't get it done. So one of the first, not one of the first thing I want to do is audit the auditor's office, right? So we have to figure out why this hasn't been happening, why the past auditors have been unable to meet their mandate. Uh, the current auditor, Suzanne Bump, says um, her, her direct quote was something like, I'd like to see you try to get all of the audits done with what we pay auditors. I'd like to see you try to recruit people with what we pay, which is astounding to me because she's been there 12 years. She's a member of the supermajority party and has made no effort to increase her budget. So we know, because we did the research, that if you look at two states in, in, in our union that have similar size state budgets as we do, it's Illinois, Pennsylvania. Their state auditors are budgeted at $42 million per year, both of them. Ours is budgeted at 21, right? So this is clear wow. because the, the legislature doesn't have any interest in the auditor finding problems, right, with how they spend money. And because the auditor has been a member of that Democratic Party for the last 80 years, 8-0, there's never been any interest in, in increasing the budget. So we're going to audit it. Now, one of my opponents picked up on that. So I'm going to audit it, too. I'm going to bring in the American Association of, you know, no, that's not an independent audit. She's talking about bringing in the organization to which the auditor belongs. It's not independent. You need to bring in a totally independent audit and say, what are the failings in this office that are prohibiting the completion of the work that needs to be done? So that's number one. Number two is then to prioritize auditing the unaudited. Right. So, OK, we know they're around 32 percent aren't audited. Why? Let's get on this right away. Right. So we have to come up with a strategy for auditing the agencies that haven't been looked at. So this is one of the ways that I say I'm coming into this independent and as a servant to the taxpayer, I'm not bringing my own ideology in. Right. I point to my opponent saying I'm going to be a climate auditor and I'm going to audit everybody on carbon emissions. Hey, listen, climate has a place. Right. But if you're, you're going to point if you're going to put your focus only on carbon, for all 209 state agencies, boy, you're going to miss a lot of waste, fraud, and abuse, right? I believe that, yeah, we should do audits related to carbon emissions and anything else that the law requires be done. Not stepping outside our realm because I want to be governor someday or I want to be a congressman someday, but no. Progressive talking points. That's all. Exactly. It's a completely, thank you. And I am running because I want to be auditor. No, you are a keen observer of how these things work, and you've been doing it for longer than I, and you know it better than I do about how politics works. And my opponents aren't running because they want to be auditor. No way. Neither of them was. Nobody believes for a second they want to be auditor. I mean, people say right out what, these, what they want to do. And there's nothing wrong with being ambitious. But if the taxpayers want someone that's running for auditor because he wants to be an auditor, if they want someone who knows how to do the audits, and if they want someone that knows how to run an agency, then they have a clear choice. Now, one of the important things about having someone that wants to be auditor is if you have an agency that is failing to meet its goals by a wide margin, right? We talked about our kids in college and stuff, and it, we're paying a lot for college, right? I know you agree. And if they were coming home and every grade they got was around 68 or 70, you'd be really upset, right? So that's what's happening to taxpayers. Their auditor is coming up with a grade of about 68 to 70%. The next auditor has to fix this immediately. And what does that mean? That means it can't be someone who's learning on the job. It can't be someone that gets in the first day and says, okay, how do I do an audit? 
and says, boy, uh, what's with all these management issues? I've never had to deal with this before. You can't have that, right? And if you do, you're going to fail. So this is a real clear difference between me and my competitors. And, and it's, again, this is just being honest. I mean, we really can't dispute these differences in our background. No, you can't. And there's nothing that you said that is political, right? If there's nothing that you said is a political talking point, everything that you right. said is business management. It's how you run an organization. It's keeping your eye on the failures and what needs to run better in order to have a successful business. And government is just like any other nonprofit, right? Or for it's, you know, where you're, you're taking in money, you're taking people's money to make your business work well. And if it's not working and it's not running, you have to figure out where the problems are and you have to fix them. And the problem today is that the Democrats feel like they need to throw in those words, the climate stuff, the, you know, look at the end of the day, you're running for office and you have a hundred percent of people's taxpayer dollars, a hundred percent. You don't just get them from the 12% of progressives. You get them from a hundred percent of the people mm -hmm. in the state who are paying taxes. And therefore some of those people care and some don't care. Some are very concerned about how to keep a roof over their head, yet they're still paying, you know, 25 to 30% in taxes. And they're not sure if they're going to have their job tomorrow. They're not sure if they could drive to work tomorrow. They're not sure if they could pay for childcare. And so at the end of the day, running for this office is running for everyone. And you need to pay attention to that, which you are. And I think that in your case, and I've seen this in a couple of the other um, races going on in Massachusetts specifically, is that the Democrats are so concerned about losing the progressives that they have to talk about issues that actually have nothing to do, not nothing, but little to do with the job. Like you said, you know, a climate action plan. Okay. But is that the most important thing when you're looking at where the legislature is, is prioritizing money, what the T has been doing with the money, right? What the, you know, the um, mass department of transportation is doing with the money. Where, where is it going? Is it going to the right projects? Is it going to, that is all of our money. And that those are services that so many of us use. And I think that that's the most important thing to look at. And getting into the politics is just trying to woo voters over. And I do feel like at this point in time where we are in society, because I'm, I'm very disturbed by everything going on around the country, is that, you know, a little less of the political rhetoric and a little bit more of what the job actually entails. And you clearly have that nailed down. Um, so now what do you think? What's the, you know, you don't have to worry about a primary, which... Right is phenomenal. So what are the things that you're out doing and how can a listener, regardless of where they are, because now with technology, you can make phone calls. If you live in California, you can right. give money regardless of where you live, as long as you're a United States citizen over the age of 18. But what, what are, what are you up to and what are things that people can help with? Well, one of the things that we've prioritized in my campaign is it's perfect segue from what you just said, which was right on the money, is that we're trying really hard to make sure we're talking to diverse audiences. 
And what I mean by that is, you know, I am committed to not speaking to the same group of people every night, especially not speaking to simply Republicans. So we work really hard. We went to an event last night with a lot of unenrolled voters for a fantastic legislative candidate named Lauren Barnes. We work hard to go out to, we were out in Natick a few weeks ago, Democrats and unenrolled. And it's hard. So we we were trying to set up a, an event in Jamaica Plain for Democrats and unenrolled. And, and um, you can't get people out to listen to you. It's very, very difficult. And that's not, I'm not pointing the fingers only at Democrats here. It's the same for Republicans. I mean, I bet you that my Democratic opponents would have a tough time getting Republicans to come listen. And if they did, they'd probably scream at them. Um, but that's our goal. So speaking to different audiences, diverse audiences, I've been on, uh, spoken to a number of media, uh, Latino media outlets. I've been on Boston Black Radio. I'm going to be again. We're going to a bunch of civic organizations in Dorchester. Um, I've spent an inordinate amount of time in Chinatown. I did Chinese television the other night. Uh, I don't want anybody to feel ignored because I want people to understand that really am a candidate for everybody. My opponents, if you read their platforms, you'll see interesting things that make you say, why aren't they running for Congress? These are legislative platforms, right? As an auditor, having a social justice platform as an auditor, uh, why not just stay in the legislature or run for Congress? There's nothing wrong with social justice. It's important, right? But it's not an auditor's role. The auditor has to make sure that laws are being followed, that there's no waste for an abuse. And most importantly, that government is accountable, right? So the auditor is the chief accountability officer. And when I go out and talk to these groups, Jennifer, I tell them that doesn't mean the government is accountable to me. It's accountable to you. The auditor is the conduit of that information, right? It's the pass-through. I go out and find the problems. Part two, which is really important, is I tell the public, right? That's not happening now. Right? You and I are both political junkies. Do you hear from the auditor's office about problems they're finding? Never. I don't think I've seen her other than at events in 12 events. years. Right. And we know, listen, it's just a fact. You can't use the office of politics, but her, her former campaign manager from when she first ran complained that Suzanne Bump was campaigning out of her office. And we know that when she was auditor during the Patrick administration, she geared her audits towards non-executive branch agencies. And then as soon as Governor Baker, the Republican, took office, she changed her focus towards putting the spotlight in the governor. I will not do that. You have my word. If I'm elected, there's a very, very good chance that we're going to have a Democrat for governor. It's a very good chance. And if that's the case, I'm not going to say, OK, here's the chance for the Republican to go after the Democrat. No, it's going to be dispassionate, only passionate about serving the taxpayer, dispassionate about politics. And this is the way that I will handle that office. And this is what I'm trying to get across to people. So if people want to help my campaign and they believe in this sort of approach towards government, my website is amore2022.com, A-M-O-R-E, 2022.com. There's ways to volunteer. There's ways to get signs and stickers. There's ways to give us your ideas. And importantly, there's ways to donate. And money is a it's an awkward part of running for office, having to ask people for money all the time, but it's a real important part too, because we have to get our message out. So anything that your listeners can do to help is really welcomed. I think that's awesome. And you hit on something that, again, I just can't help but continue to hit home for folks is the fact that this is not a political position, right? And right. it is... To, to make it political where it was, 
under this auditor is really unfortunate because I think many, many missteps happened. And I think there's so much abuse. And in a state like Massachusetts, which I was listening to the radio and Larry Hogan had said, uh, you know, governor of Maryland had said that Maryland is the most blue state. And I was yelling in the car going, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm sorry. We still beat you. Right. Definitely. <laughs> um, we, you know, where we have 200 members in the legislature and 30 something are Republicans, where the Republican registration in Massachusetts is hovering around 9.7 percent. I mean, you know, it's it's really unfortunate. And when I was running for city council, Boston City Council back in 2019, the question I got from a lot of people was, why are you running for city council? Why aren't you running for Congress? Why aren't you running for something else? And I said, because the issues that are that concern me right now are the ones in my backyard. And I feel like this is where my skill set is best. Walking around the neighborhood, finding the things that are going wrong, talking to neighbors. And one of the communities that I really enjoyed being in was not my neighborhood, not one of my neighboring neighborhoods, but one of the communities that is highly community of color, but you know, more of in the city of Boston, where you do have one side of the city is, it's a very segregated city still. One side is very wealthy and one side is not so much. And it was an, an area where it's a little bit more depressed. And I really enjoyed walking into the projects and really enjoyed talking to the single moms who had serious issues and didn't know who to talk to. And to me, it wasn't about politics. It was about being a good representative for the neighbors and for the city as a whole, my district as a whole, and not just the side that didn't have the issues, but for the side that did have the issues. And I wish that more people would run for office based off of what their real convictions are, what really is important to them, what gets them up and motivates them in the morning. And unfortunately, I feel like your opponents are really, it was, you know, taking a lesson out of Joe Kennedy's book, you know, Joe Kennedy ran against Ed Markey and lost. And I think that a lot of these young Democrats are nervous to primary any of the established Democrats because they know that they can't win. So instead of going out there and doing something where their voices could maybe make a difference in the conversation, they're going after the open seat. And I think if everything was equal, you know, you come out with an A++ rating in my book. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping that you will be elected auditor. And again, I mean, I, I hope that my pick for governor as a Republican wins the primary. But if he doesn't, if he is not successful, then we are doomed. And there will be a Democrat who's elected to office. That is just the mm -hmm. fact of the matter. The and that is a fact. And knowing that, I think it's very, very important to have someone who is polished, professional, and respectful of everyone um, and takes takes the job seriously and not using it as a stepping stone. And, and I really hope that that's you, Anthony, and that you get in there <laughs> and you're our next auditor. <laughs> Me too. Thank you. Thank, you know, you. I, I love what you said because, you know, I grew up, um, I tried to put my personal background front and center. But I grew up between two housing projects when I was a kid. 
And these uh, underrepresented communities um, I can identify with, and I enjoy reaching out to them because they enjoy having people come listen to them. And one of the things I'm committed to if I'm elected is these groups I mentioned on the Latino radio and Black radio and Chinese television, is that when the election's over, if I win, they haven't heard the last from me. Because I think, as I mentioned, the auditor has a real important role in bringing information to the people. And you can't just say, I'm going to talk to the Globe and you know go on OTR and Channel 5 and, and uh, talk to John Keller. Those all have their place, B-U-R. But I want to go out to the communities and talk to people so that they can hear, that they understand, hey, I really do work for you. Right. I'm your honest broker out there. I'm your chief accountability officer for you, not for me. And I think it would be a new age for taxpayers in Massachusetts if they had someone that was aggressively communicating back to them directly at, at times. But um, that's that's a big part of the goal. Absolutely. Well, I wish you all the best. I hope that your message continues to get out there and continues to resonate. And I'm interested to see who your end opponent ends up being. Um, the progressive, which is, this is so funny, right? <laughs> Only in Massachusetts do you have yep. a progressive candidate and a union candidate. Right, right, right. <laughs> this, this, this is big separation between the two somehow, right? <laughs> right. This is not normal, <laughs> the normal That's world, not- people. <laughs> Um, we, we have our own interesting political microcosm up here. Uh, but Anthony, I, I wish you all the best. Um, and again, thank you for being on with me here on political Contessa. We look forward to hearing from you after you are elected as auditor and you're into the job. I'd love to hear how it's going and, and things you're finding. And, um, and I'd love to have you on again to talk about your super interesting career and um, oh, you know, I'd love to. heists. And, and it's like we can have our own little true crime episode. Yes. Um. <laughs> love it. Yes. Let's do that one way or the other. So thank you for being here and listening to myself, Jennifer Nassour, and Anthony Amore, candidate for Massachusetts State Auditor this year on Political Contessa. And if you'd like to find out more about Anthony's campaign, or if you would like to donate, which I have to make that pitch because it's very important for campaigns these days, please go to Amore. 2022.com. And that will be a great way to get in touch with him or find him on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. He has a great presence and like what he's doing because I know for a fact, he's working very hard. So thank you, Anthony. And thank you for listening and stay happy, healthy, and safe. Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. 